Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Yeah. Um, and, and this is another thing, you know, so I had those those trials and you know tribulations through that first or second year done real well um had a great uh 2019 2020 summer was gunning for third year because third year you know i had my surgery halfway through second year did my you know recovery rehab uh which was a pretty long and strenuous process you know it was quite funny throughout the you know surgery to cast to moon boot you know for six weeks i was in this pink cast <laughs> I don't know why they said black or pink. And I was like, oh, if I go pink, at least I know if I'm sitting down on a night out, people more like to see pink than black. So I dealt <laughs> with that. And um, yeah, even that's another one. A lot of people with yeah. a cast. You know, I see yeah. people, um, this is not me pointing, you know, picking on people or anything, but you know, I, I was in my cast and I just knew I didn't want to be sitting around in a flat all day feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. So I was, so I spent the first two weeks of after surgery at home. Yeah. Lucky it was my left foot, so I could still drive. Um, and I was still going to the gym, hopping around the gym. So I was like the kangaroo as such of um, Les Mills. Yeah. People would just see me hopping around. And it was quite funny, even still like down in Dunedin. They were like, oh, yeah, you used to hop around here with your pink cars and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> the pink kangaroo, mate. That's yeah. me. Yeah. So, you know, even that was a testament to stick to you know, what I'd worked so hard to build, I guess, yeah, I, I still cranked into it, still had to deal with my crutches and everything and crutching to class, slipping over on my crutches when it iced over on, on George yeah. Street. Yeah. Um, but going through that whole process to get to third year and I was like, right, back on track to playing rugby again. And it felt like so long, eh? Like, yeah. you know, I just got there and I'd been like, I think I sat there because about, a week before my first game, lacing the boots up. And it was just, oh, I'm getting like flashy. No, it was, um, it was so weird. Like I'd, I'd just been sitting there like far out. Two years, nearly two years, I haven't played this game. Oh. And um, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. And then just as we were about to play, um, old, old auntie pops up on the news. <laughs> And we get the announcement yeah. that we're going into the lockdowns. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Radio. You know, had a big preseason. Um yeah. had come in, like I busted my absolute, you know, backside off to I was the fittest I'd been, I was the strongest I'd, you know, been. Everything was I was this tick, whole tick, tick, yeah. player that I'd worked. I tried to do everything I possibly could without being able to play rugby to make going back to rugby the best experience ever. Yeah. You know, I'd gone back to preseason training. I was smoking in the fitness drills. I was doing all this. Doing all, I was like so stoked. And then, yeah, got the lockdown and halted that journey for another two months. And then finally got my, you know, when it all ended, drove back down to Dunedin. And the morning of when I arrived back, get a text from my coach. Oh, you, you coming to play today? And I was like, just driven nine hours. Oh. Um, yep. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. mate. Yeah. So I got to the flat. I couldn't even unpack the car. I just said, oh, just quickly have a shower and then 
chucked all my up. stuff in, find my mouth guard, and then off I went. Yeah. First game back, rolled my ankle. Oh. <laughs> in a warm-up. Oh, wow. Rolled the ankle, first game. And, um, yeah, so I taped that, taped that up hard. And it was only a little trial match against the another team at the club. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, taped it up, and then I had a week off. And this is basically the storyline of the season. I, out of the nine games, they shortened the season up to a nine-game season, plus finals and whatnot. Yeah. So out of the nine potential seasonal games, I played about five, and then I played the semis and finals. Yeah. And, oh, I tell you what, I just, I'd bruised things and sprained things that I didn't even know you could. <laughs> wow. done, done my um, sternum and the costal join. I'd done my shoulders again, my ankles twice. This season, I was looking so forward to, and I thought I was going to basically propel myself to levels of playing that I'd never experienced before. Just really, it had its glimmers, but all in all, it was a bloody, it was a bloody struggle. I don't yep. know, like, you know, yeah, week to week, something else is going wrong. I'd done my fingers as well. Yeah. And it was all these little things amounting, and it just, I'm not going to lie, it broke a lot of my, my passion for the game. Yeah. You know? I was still doing it in my last year academy. That felt good to be able to be in academy again and be doing things with my mates again, you know, yeah. back like how it was. It was like, that was great. But yeah, you go to trainings. Oh, sorry. I've done my shoulder on Saturday. Oh, ankle's gone. Oh, you know, can't breathe properly because my sternum's costume joint sprained. Yeah. It was like, oh, shit. You know, like I'd, I'd done all this. I just thought, what is happening? Like, yeah. this shouldn't be happening. I've done more work than I've ever done in my life off season. Yeah. And yet this injury is still happening. So I got through that first season. We won the final. It was bloody amazing. And I I thought I'd been a bit of a curse. My curse got lifted that day because yeah. for the last three finals I'd been in, was it four finals I'd been in, I'd lost them. Uh-huh. <laughs> part of the losing team. <laughs> so to get to that fifth one, fifth final opportunity, and win it was like okay that um, felt great yeah with all the adversity of that season and everything yeah. else it just felt like right that was awesome <laughs> however it was kind of like a sort of climax for me like after the you know big ups from the winning and we had the club celebrations like rah, i i just yeah the passion kind of left and i i just wanted to take you know i knew i was finishing up with the academy and i was you know okay, I'm not bound to this whole professionalism anymore. Like the academy was a very, it was it was bloody awesome and I'm thankful as for the opportunity, but there are some expectations of that, which for some, you know, 18 to 21 year olds, they might click with it hard. Yeah. But for others, I know it can be tough. And yeah. I, I knew some of the boys in there that used to find it quite, rough having you know a person breathing down your neck watching you you felt like you were being assessed through every aspect of your life how you hold yourself on social media and the public with your teams and having that like someone's got a camera you know a drone following you around it can be quite daunting i know some people it drives them to perform but you know for me it felt like i had another set of parents yeah even my parents weren't that strict on me but it was like these you know I'd, I'd have messages about a certain thing I'd said here or, you know, screenshot, he'd screenshot something. My yeah. uh, coach or uh, manager would screenshot something and be like, what's this, what's this? And I'm like, oh, okay, 
delete that, delete this. And it's not even anything with malice, but, and I understand that's the whole profession of footy, but that was quite hard for me. And so getting to the end of that third year of being in the academy, I was like, look, I don't love rugby as much as I used to. I've truly fallen out of love, but I wouldn't mind playing socially. I still like the, the social idea. Obviously, I like throwing the ball around. You can't yeah. not like that. So I jammed, and this was my fourth year in Dunedin, third year in uh, physiology. I um, jammed Prem 2s. So I was playing Prem 2s. And, you know, it was great. The atmosphere was so much different. It was like, yeah. cool, it's kicked back. The boys are, um, it's not serious. Like, yeah. it's serious to the point where, like, you know, you got to be serious to an extent to actually be able to go out there and play footy and have fun. Yeah. But it wasn't like the pressure of, oh, if you drop, drop a ball, go and do 50 burpees or, you know, yeah. every single misplay, you're getting harassed. You know, it was um, a lot more laid back and I was enjoying it. I got to change positions, you know, because I'd done a lot of work with my conditioning. I wanted to get out of the front row. I wanted to have fun, you know. Yeah. Basically, you know, spread the legs, <laughs> as um, old mate said. Yeah. Um, and so I got to play a new position that I've always wanted to play. It was, it was great. It was fun. I actually enjoyed that type of rugby. Yeah. Second game in, um, was was going well. I was playing pretty good this game. Last five minutes, I went to carry the ball. Guy was retreating from offside, latched onto my back. I stuck my left arm out and basically oh. upper arm, inside, <laughs> forearm, back, came back that way. And so fully dislocated. Luckily, it didn't break. Yep. And then um, the play runs over me. I'm lying down, just kind of in shock, you know, what's going on, seeing boots and stuff going over my face and whatnot. Yeah. Once everything blows over, I go to sit up. And I'd had my, the elbow had sort of gone in the reverse hour around my knee. And as I'd bent up, the pressure I put on crunched it back into place. Yep. Oh. So there was that. Again, it was that whole, like, even when I'm not taking it seriously, I can't get a break with this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. I've given everything to this game and the game just takes everything from me. Yeah. So, so what was going on? Oh, and so yeah, I was in a sling and again, I was like, oh, look, it's just another, it's just another bump in the road. I still continue doing what I could, you know, training or not. And this, at the start of last year, I'd taken boxing, um, taken boxing on board. Yep. and started a transition you know that was a sport i actually enjoyed enjoyed yeah playing and, and tra- yeah. playing we never say playing um a, a sport i enjoyed playing for uh training for getting involved in yeah yeah and so i started to focus a lot my ten- attention on getting better at that with the hopes of um getting first novice fight oh, yeah. so i was training pretty intensively for that um obviously the elbow slowed that down still had my left arm though thankfully um for a meantime though because then a couple weeks after that had a bit of an accident at an arcade game and i split my knuckle open so at at one time at one point of that year last year i looked down at myself and i'm like this has just got to be like a a bit of a bit of a drama like a comedy i can't use both arms i can't do both the sports that i yeah yeah and far out and even like just like even uni and stuff was was difficult because it was like you had this elbow here and I'm like oh, you know trying to type with a giant swollen hand yeah you know um so that was it was quite stressful oh I sort of keep trying to keep that mindset I'd really developed you know yeah. that just 
hey, mate, you just got to get on with it and, you know, chip away and do what you can do. But then I remember halfway through that first semester of last year, I just, all of a sudden, this is around the time that Sil- of Silverline Festival, um, this, this normal stress from study, which normally, you know, it's, it's hard, but, you know, you deal with it, like you just use it kind of to, to drive and fuel the study. Yeah. It, it hit, but then it really wasn't the same. It wasn't like a, a sort of drive stressor. It was, a, oh, now I'm, I felt like I was just losing parts of me. Um, I all of a sudden found it difficult to talk to people. Everything went from being effortless to requiring a lot of effort, you know. Yeah. Um, even just the whole conversation like this, I'd have yeah. to think about every word that started to come out of my mouth. And yeah. with every word, I thought about the impacts it had on whoever I was talking to. Yeah. And this is even with my close friends as well. Totally, and yeah. so this just sort of began to snowball throughout that first sim. And then halfway, about two weeks before exams, we had a bunch of assignments, as you do, they backpile it all to the end, as you know, we love from our courses. Um, I'm doing these assignments with my mates and, and my in my class. And he's, you know, he was looking, everyone's looking to me for, for advice on these things. And I typed up my, my assignment and I'm looking at it like, this isn't right. Yeah. This is completely incorrect. And when my mates are reading over and going, that's completely fine, man. What are you talking about? Like that's, I was like, no, 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 this is, this is all terrible. Like, I just feel like an absolute idiot. They're like, what's going on? Like they couldn't quite grasp it. And, you know, I remember stressing and stressing and then losing that sense of uh, just, I was just second guessing myself with everything. Oh, wow. Um, and even when I, and for example, I handed, so if there was one assignment, busted ass for it, handed it in. Um, I got a bloody good grade for it. But even when I got that good grade, I just felt like I didn't deserve it. I felt like, no, he's being generous or he's being you know, empathetic or whatever to me. Like, I don't deserve that grade. I, I I know I wrote terribly. I, what I put on that paper was garbage. Yeah. These are the thoughts that kept turmoiling in my head, just building and building and building. And I got to exam season and I'd done all my notes, yeah. done all my prep, the whole sem. And I'm sitting there day out and I said to Sam, yo, I literally feel like I've never looked at this in my life. He's like, oh, wow. I was like, yeah. well, I've got all these notes here, written them out, handwritten, and I'm looking at the lecture slides i said if i couldn't tell you what is explained that he's like but you were just doing that before you just wrote it out no i i i don't know so i went into the exam season it was wow bloody awful i walked out of the first one (sighs) i walked out of the first one and um i went back to the flat and i um sat in my room and i called dad um to say that his son was a failure again oh no and i said that i failed the exam and um i just started boiling my eyes out on my bed and i had training in about half an hour boxing and the boys came in and said yeah yo yeah you should go to training man you should um you know just use it you, you'll enjoy it it'd be good to blow off some steam and you know like 40 minutes before boxing training, you're sitting on your room with your hands, head between your legs, balling your eyes out, and then you've got to go and train. 
I remember I jumped in to do some sparring that night and I just let him punch my head in, eh? Like, yeah. that sounds pretty vicious, but, you know, obviously sparring, normally you're guarding up, doing all yeah. the rest of it, and I just let Sam tee off. Yeah. Because I just was, yeah, just wasn't all mentally there. I was just yeah. completely so spaced out dealing with the fact, you know, and even Dad was like, how do you, why are you saying this, you know? You don't. You just sat the exam. You don't know what mark you're gonna get. I was like, I know I failed that exam, yeah. and I knew I failed it because I completely froze and just. That was bloody awful. Like yeah. I really wanted to put something on the paper, but I just couldn't move the pencil. I just stuck. could yeah. not move wow. it. I was just looking at it like, you know, and I would force it, and the harder I try to force that pencil down just the more my, my body would, it was like it was just protecting me from something. Like there was a, a, a danger there that yeah, it was wow. like the paper yeah. was danger and the pencil, yeah, I couldn't touch, I could not make that yeah. pencil touch paper. And then, so the rest of that exam season was bloody awful. It was, um, it was a massive, it was a massive strain, you know, just the, the, the toll it took on me was even afterwards, you know, we finished exams. I just, unlike my other mates who are bloody, you know, up in the air, just enjoying it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there just like, I'm it's about happened. to fail. Yeah. I'm about to fail. Yeah. All my mates are going to finish uni this year. I'm going to fail and I have to do all this again. Oh, I'm back in first year's position again. Oh, shit. Yeah. Got back to Wellington. I remember with, I'd also been pretty harsh, like just with the whole mental sort of, um, you know, my mental well-being and health just um, deteriorating. My eating had also become pretty, pretty off or oh, just yeah. unhealthy. Yeah, I was eating, and, and this, this is by no means, I was, I was eating basically a standard woman's basal metabolic rate worth of calories, which is around yeah. 2,200 calories. And I'm training 10 times a week. And this oh, is wow. high intensity training. Like yeah. you're training in the mornings for, for an hour and a half, busting out, you know, busting your backside. And then yeah. you're going to uni and bashing out a full, you know, 10 okay. hour day at uni yeah. or whatever, back at training again for another hour and a half, and you're, you know, sparring and all that, and then getting home late and having to have dinner, sleep nine and all over and over and over again. Um, almost eating bugger all. So I dropped a lot of weight and I've always been, you know, everyone's obviously fascinated with the weight loss. And I, I too, got you know, captured in that idea. But yeah. this was the most unhealthy way I'd ever done it. I was yeah. on the scale. It was great. And, you know, look in the mirror, it was great. But I look in the mirror and it's just nothing stimulating. It was like, this is, you might look as, you know, good, like what you think you look good. But you feel terrible. Yeah. I did not feel one bit healthy at all. And it was all in tandem, you know, the physical yeah. health not feel, not feeling myself well enough plus the mental side yeah, of things it's all things to study yeah it just turmoiled and i got walked through this front door went straight to the pantry and i just started fully just binge eating out you know and i'd do that and then i'd have to go for like a 10k run down the road um to be like oh you know you've got to get rid of it yeah um that whole mid-year break last year was i couldn't enjoy it because yeah. it was the fear of going back down to Dunedin yeah. and knew it, it was just like, you know, the inevitable, you're going to yeah. just go, you're going back down to drive yourself further into the hole. Yeah. And that's second week into the break. I got my marks back. And for all the exams that I said, I was going to fail. 
I only failed one. That was the first one that I was certain yeah. on. The other three I'd actually given a good crack. Yeah. I got all good. I got fair marks, you know, and they were they were good by well, by my standard. They should have been good. Yeah. But nothing. I read these exam results and I'm like, cool. No, nah, nothing. Yeah. So much numbness. Yeah. And that's when I I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's when I realized I had to text dad. Yeah. I said, hey, I got my marks back. They're not bad, but I still feel terrible, still feel bloody awful. So we had a big chat about you now what could we do? So he took me away. We went up for a bit of a family holiday, Tarotorua. It's great, got to spend some time. My nephew who had come yeah. over from Oz, you know, and so I hadn't seen him for seven or so years. Yeah, well, yeah. He's all grown up now, he's 15, and I just think he's 16 now, actually. And it was it was good to see Logan again, but family holiday, even dad, yeah, he pointed out, he said, You you didn't you you didn't fully enjoy that, eh? You weren't fully settled. And I said, Shit, no. Because yeah. it was just always in the back of my mind. No matter how far north we I go for a go holiday, yeah. I've got to go back. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I I drove back down. God, that was a bloody awful morning. We caught oh. the 2 a.m. 2 a.m. ferry to oh, Picton. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Me and my mate, um, my flatmate, who was also my best mate, um, we're on this ferry together and we got on last-ish. So we get upstairs, all the seats are taken. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, and this is, I can't remember which, it was one of the Bluebridge ferries. And so we, we found a table with these single seats. So it's because we couldn't lie on them, we ended up sleeping on the floor. On the floor, yeah. <laughs> Middle floor, right above the engine. Oh, damn. So we're lying, I'm looking over at my mate, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be so comfortable. And he's like, yeah, I'm just tired. Because we didn't yeah. sleep the night before. We were packing, and then we just said, we sat in the lounge with my old man and my younger brother, and we were just like, oh, it's not much point going to sleep. Yeah. So we chucked on a random show on Netflix and stayed up until you know, we had to leave. Yeah. Oh, man. And then we got to Lipton, had to drive down to Blenheim to pick up our other flatmate. Yeah. And then he drove us down to Dunedin. So my mate that I'd come off the ferry, he's bloody, you know, six six, you know, oh, but wow. long, yeah. long bean. So he got the front seat. Yeah. yeah. It's very rare I find a lot of people who take the front seat over myself <laughs> exactly. in, yeah, my, totally. in my yeah. own car. Yeah. But um <laughs> I jump in the back seat and trying to I'm cooped up and it was a bloody an awful ride. But driving back down, obviously coming to, to Rio. The chat was all around. Oh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna steam hard. And we're charging on. It's real week, yeah. and I'm thinking, really? what, am I doing? what am I doing here? Yeah, I was like, no. I, I was I was so scared of drinking. I was like, oh, it's not what I wanted to go back to. It was just like, oh, guys, get me home. Um, and so I still I went down, and I just didn't want anyone to know that I was in this state again. Because yeah. I thought, because I'd gone through previous encounters and I'd spoken at a Silver Line event, yeah. um, you know, it did Festy. Year before that, it was the panel for It's Not Awkward, bro. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like I'd, because of this person that people knew me for, yeah. you know, uh, highly active, big advocate for mental health, um, you know, a passionate diver, you know, all these, like, very uh, extroverted yeah, uh, aspects because I felt like I could not 
be that naturally. I forced it to be that. I forced myself to be Ethan. Yeah. Who, you know, I, I had to basically try my best to be Ethan. Yeah. It was so energy depleted. So that Rio week was fucking hard. That was when I had another anxiety. Like this was anxiety attack because the worry and just the worries started to come. Yeah. I thought, okay, I had a break from study. Surely I come back down and it just it just rolls. And so I open up first lecture trying to watch it for physiology for the sim. All right, let's go. It's an introduction lecture. All yeah. they're doing is just, just you know naming some um some of the lab apparatus. Yeah. And I'm looking at this stuff like I'm trying to pause lectures and trying to write things, and I'm like, holy shit, this is an intro out. lecture. E. Normally you just skip through these and yeah. I just paused it. I couldn't get through more than five minutes. And I'm sitting on my little either yoga ball at the time as my seat. And I was in my dressing room. I was by myself as well. We'd had something, it was on that night. We had a 21st to go to that night. And I just remember I shut my laptop and I just hid between the knees again and was just crying. Like I was just boring my eyes. I was like, what am I doing? Like, why are you yeah. like this? Just getting so frustrated with myself. Like, You've already been through this stuff before. You know how to get through this. But nope, just crying, crying. And that was the first time I'd ever had um, suicidal thoughts um, pop up into my head. I was looking around my room. And I was like, this room's not ideal to hang anything off. You know, I was thinking where I could do things. And I was looking in the mirror, like, and the, the guy looking back, he was saying, it's the last time, you know, this could be, could be the last time you stare in this mirror. This could be the last time you see your mates tonight. And those are the thoughts that were going through my head. I went up to my mate's flat. Everyone's around having a good time, having a drink. I was trying to have a drink. And I was looking at this can like, this is this going to kill me? Like, is this going to be the, the last one? The little yeah. tip over the edge, you know? And yeah. I stared around that room. Everyone's loving life, watching the rugby. And I'm like, you know, taking it in. I was just like, yeah you've all played a massive part of my life and I'm thankful for each and every one of you. And I'm just saying this in my head, but tomorrow morning, yeah, you guys are going to hear the news. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I want to find a way to do this, whether it's in my flat or elsewhere. And I'm lucky I had my flatmate with me that night because I had it. I, I basically just said to him, Hey codes, like, look, man, I have not been well lately. Eh? And it was so, this is one thing that made me open, open my mind of it was, he goes, really? I, I couldn't tell, you know? And like, I felt like it was such an, ex, ex, like just expressive thing. I thought, surely they can pick this up. So surely someone can see this. Yeah. Surely they can see I'm not me. Yeah. But because I'd done so well at upholding mm -hmm. Ethan yeah. McQuinlan, yeah. You know, I basically like, you know, it's like that whole bloody um, Atlas holding the world up. Totally, you know, it was, yeah. It was Ethan holding Yeah, yeah. I was just so confused. I was like, how can no one see that I'm... This is going on, yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he said, look, bro, if you ever need a chat, you know, he's like, you know, we've been there since high school. So this is one of my things I'd actually been to high school with up in yeah. building. You know, and I just thought, hey, I don't know, like, I just... That, that fellow that you remember last end of last year, because end of third year was awesome. Got my best grades ever at uni. I, I finally felt like I knew something. You know, and I was, yeah. had, had some kind of grounded, like, decent level of knowledge on something. 
training was going well. And in the space of what, eight months, now I'm feeling like the polar opposite of that guy. Yeah. Like the least, yeah, the, the least extent of that guy ever. <clears throat> and so over that Rio week and trucking on, um, you know, I was in close problems with my old man and even my mum as well and my sister. And they were trying to help like organic things. And dad was the first to say, yo, you need to take a step back. You need to realize you're not in the right, just the right state of mind, right state of well-being to be, to, to, to achieve at your best. You you just, you need to take time to address this. And I'm like, no, no, leave me. I want to stay down in Dunedin. I'm just going to get through this. And running through my head was this idea that, I'm, this is proper between a rock and a hard place. This is what I told myself. I said, if I pull out a uni and say that I'm going back home to address my mental, mental unwellness, people are going to think I'm the biggest fraud. Yeah. I put out projected this image that I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a high performing, you know, highly active person. Yeah. I've done rugby. I'm out there, you know, in the community. If I say to people that, oh shit, I'm going through this again, and I'm moving back to Wellington you're a fraud yep. on the other hand it was force myself to get through the rest of the year pretty much have a hundred percent assurance that i was going to fail yep. and then everyone goes oh, you just you just all talk you, yep. you know, you're a failure yeah so either way yeah, i'm thinking i'm thinking yeah. what the one of my choices and, yeah yep yep and this is why you know like i owe a lot to my old man he um just the the level of support he gave me and just yeah it was i felt it was so hard because me, me and my old man are so close you know and throughout that time i just felt like i couldn't really be his son for a yeah, bit totally yeah it was quite hard because it was just even when i he came down to visit um for a couple of days and we, we drove down to Bluffs together and it was a great day, you know, it was a good road trip, but the whole time I just, it was so, it was, it was very hard for me because he was having a gun and we catching up and I loved his presence there, but I just felt like I couldn't be that E that, you know, could have a good, hold a good combo with him and have a good time and chill yeah. you know, fully or a hundred percent. You know, we got some fish and chips down there and but I just, it was so hard because I knew he was leaving. You know, that was the other thing. I always think yeah. about the, the worst side of it. I'd be like, oh, he's yeah. going home soon. I'm not going with him. Yeah. We had a good chat. And I said, oh, no, look, he, he wanted to take me home. There. And then I said, look, Dad, i gotta, I got to do this. i got to do this. He's like, no, you don't. It's You're not bound to this. I couldn't see that. And I was like, I'm so close to finishing. I'm so close. I'm almost there. Four more papers. He's like, yeah, but you, you're not. Yeah, you're if not you there. broke your leg, if you broke your leg, would you go try to play? Rugby again two weeks down the track. Oh, oh but it's in final. Well, your league's broken. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, you know, but you're 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 operating at 20%. Yeah. How can you think how can you expect to achieve your best when you are not 100 percent well? Yeah. You know, you don't see um you know Olympians, sprinters trying to run on a broken ankle yeah. six, eight weeks after. Yeah. They'll wait till they're hundred percent so they can go back and give it their all. Yeah. So throughout that sem, I went right up to, I think I went just before the mid-semester, or was it just after? And, oh, so she announced another lockdown. 
mum had also been down and mum was there for, for a few days and she, she was she was good help and it was another situation i got my marks back for an assignment it was a good mark i just said yep. that was bullshit you know i just kept saying that over and over, and over again i said i don't deserve these marks right or right yeah uh sitting in lecture theaters just like oh my god i do not know what the hell's going on this is just a massive drag forcing myself to go to trainings and it was a, such a vicious cycle wake up and i got to the point where i hardly talked to my flatmates yeah you know, i was basically out of the house for 12 to 13 hours a day get home make dinner start yeah. good night yeah. wake up leave again might see them for lunch say five words at lunch that's that and then yeah so we had lockdown i came home and so dad at the time he's working as a gp from home and i'm sitting at this table the table i'm at right now actually on the other side he's doing his work my brother's doing his trading and I'm sitting there just losing my mind over these assignments. And I was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it was pretty hard because when my brother came and said, like, hey, I just watched you just driving yourself into the ground. And I was like, I know, I have to do these things. Take a break, come for a walk. No, I've got to do it. And Dad was encouraging me as well. He's like, hey, take some time away. I can't. Yeah. I have to do this. He's like, mate, like, you seriously are just really wearing yourself thin here. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I, I've got three assignments to do. There's a group thing that's uh, expected of me. You know, I've got it. And then again, the idea of um, going back down to Dunedin after the lockdown, it was like, oh, mate, you know, to leave home again. And to yeah. feel like this even at home was. Okay, yeah. This is my safe. This is my safe space. Totally, this exactly, is yeah. my HQ. You know, this is where I come to reset. And I felt like this at home was bloody miserable. Yeah, you totally. Know? So we're having this yarn. And by then, I'd seen a counselor whilst I was in Dunedin still. And I was still in, in, in talks with my counselor who called me onto a psychologist, trying to work as many organic ways as possible to try and. Um, get through this and then um finally i'd said so many times because i kept mentioning medication and i'm like nah look i'm, I'm all for organic things first i can install organic techniques yeah. to try and take this on however it just reached that point where I came to conclusion and i was just like yo um yeah well let's take it the next step so dad got me onto a psychiatrist yeah. um and I had my first appointment with him. And yeah, he uh, diagnosed me with depression, uh, mild depression, but he'd seen the effects. Like it stripped away all of my abilities from my, um, from my academic abilities through to my physical performing abilities. And it just, yeah, like, you know, it really just allowed me to reflect like shit. When your mind isn't there fully, you can't operate and function uh, as 100%. Mind and body work in tandem. If your mind's not there, your body ain't, ain't, going, uh, ain't going there too. And so, yeah, I, I had the diagnosis. He put me on, a, on medication and uh, we made the decision, took all the right steps to withdraw from uni. So I ended up withdrawing with, with exception. Tell you what, man, that was like a massive lump in the throat, eh? I can imagine. Yeah. Telling, telling friends, telling 
you know, um, the communities I was a part of that I wasn't going to be in Dunedin anymore for I don't know how long. And then I'm moving home. So afraid it was that rock and hard place where I thought, yeah, yeah, here it comes, like bracing, get all these judgments and people were like, and everyone just cool. Everyone was so yeah supportive, and I got messages. My mates got behind me and said, "Hey, look, man, here's what you've been going through. Just want to say we love you. Take care. We look forward to catching up soon." Yeah. And it was yeah, it was so hard because I'd been bracing to take a massive, you know impact and like getting hit with all these judgments and whatnot and it was all um empathy. Yeah, love and empathy. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves, right? The stories we tell ourselves are just our own our narrative of what we're living in and we don't see the difference. Yeah. It's um so I moved home at the end of last year to to follow through on my treatment. Yeah. Um so this is about Septemberish. Yeah, September-ish, start of October. I uh, started working, doing like doing. So I've always done labouring. It's the only job yeah. I've worked in my life. And for me, it's just a great job. It gets you yeah. physically out there, moving. Um, just the hands-on side of things I enjoy. Uh, a lot of people, uh, builders will entrust me with little jobs. Just building that confidence. You know, it was yeah, the place where I was like, this is. Okay, let's just start back. <laughs> let's just build back. Yeah, starting the treatment. Have, yeah. Seeing my psychiatrist. Started this new medication. Um, it's a bit, oh, it's a bit flaky. The meds, like they, for the first sort of three, four weeks, they sort of bring upon um, some niggly side effects. Just like about six, several hours after, we just get like nausea, and I got quite fatigued. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, got through that, and then now I'm all goods on it. Now, like it's it's all smooth sailing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so for the first so September to December, was just building confidence back up so I started you know and like I told you before how much I'd gotten into the gym and training and nutrition yeah. I remember walking into the gym like I have no clue what I'm up to yeah what I'm looking around like I used to be so confident in here and I'm like what am I doing yeah. and I said to my brother I'm like yo I I don't know what I'm what I'm up to he's yeah. like well, you've had training programs or well, you've done it yourself like, I know I don't know them. Yeah. And I was just like, that's the extent of what I was going through. And so I just had to start off small again. It's yeah. like going back to square one. And so then slowly building back and then basically just finding that rhythm. I ended up working over in Greytown and staying just over in the wider upper four days a week, working on the site we're working and going to a little gym there. And that was great. It was a change of scenery, pretty peeled back you know, out on the countryside. Um yeah. and I'll still come back on the weekends and um, also reconnecting with the sea so when I was in the midst of my depression around that exam uh, mid-year break I went out for a fish with dad and his mate Mark and my um, nephew and uh, I was out there the whole time nothing oh, wow. no no flare no spark no none of that whole yeah I'm back on the sea again yeah. I went and had a sleep up the front oh wow yeah I was like, oh, you catch anything? Nah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nothing. And sure. that's when I, that was another massive sign for me. I was like, if I've, if totally. it's really killed that connection, Something. yeah, no, nah, this is serious. Yeah. Couldn't care about the sport, couldn't care about anything else. If you've, if that love, my love for the sea gone. and done it all is gone, that connection severed, I'm downright, I'm addressing it now. Yeah. 
I sit yeah. it there and said, hey, I lost that place, my home, my, the place I call home, yeah. that love for that. That's when I know you've got to do something about it. Yeah. So I spent that whole September, you know, finally the weather started to come right and we got back out in the boat and I was so scared. I was like, do I even know how to spearfish again? Oh, well, yeah. Will I be able to aim a gun at a butterfish? Could I grab a crayfish again? I don't know. Surely enough, we get out with my mates and they got out, they got around me. We uh, we we usually either go around Wellington South Coast, around Red Rocks, did a yeah. drive, or we take the boat out and go either south coast or west coast. And you know, we these boys come down and we went for a couple of missions, four-wheel drive missions, and just finally about two, three months into it, so this is around the November, December period, finally started feeling that feeling again. <laughs> so emotional numbness was a, a true thing where yeah. I never felt pure sadness nor enjoyment. It was just... It was, just, yeah, blank. So for yeah. example, I, when I was in the mid-year break, I went to spend some time with my nieces. Now those two girls are like, for me, they're my everything. Yeah. You know, I call them my two little gems. Yeah. Seeing them brings me more happiness and life would be up there with dog you know yeah, totally. the, the they're, they're above they're above dog and they take precedence yeah i was with them and was afraid said rach much as i know i should love being here i i i seriously can't can't connect with it so oh i was like yeah but the girls i, I know i should be uncle and loving them but i just sit there so blank just yeah. like nothing and I'm just thinking, what is going on? Yeah. And so finally, you know, it's like, again, I lost that other side of me, Uncle E. Yeah. You know? The girls have grown up and I'm just like, shit, these girls are going to grow up without an uncle. Yeah. So at the time I was like, this is getting like this. Things got to change, yeah. 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 That was huge, eh? Like saying that to yourself, these girls are going to grow up with an uncle. These girls are going to grow up with an uncle. You know? See, like, yeah, yeah, they've only got two uncles, it's me and yeah. my brother, and that yeah. was it's huge. I was like, okay, everybody's just gonna have to take, you know, take the take my my the way to me, yeah, and that was gnarly, you know, yeah, I can imagine. So, building again, just rebuilding that feeling, emotion, etc., feeling like I could do things again, you know, by that December, November, December period. I got a groove on. I finally felt my rhythm somewhat back in the gym. I got out for a dive, finally shot a kingfish after three years of not shooting one. You know, that feeling again, grabbing craze. Yeah. And yeah. just roll on effect. The summer came round and you're getting out on the water and yeah, started loving it. Seeing the girls, you know, um, going around there pretty much every time I came back to Wellington, having sleepovers, spending yeah. nights, you know, moving nights with my sister, hanging out with my mates. Me and my mate, so my mate Ben had moved down to Dunedin with me in, the, in my my fourth year there. He stayed, he stayed back down and yeah. I moved home. So when he came back up, you know, he helped me so, he, he's been my best mate since we were about 15. Yeah. He, through that whole period whilst I was down there, him and I just glued to the hip. Yeah. He helped me through so much of it. You know, he said, to, it, like, he backed me up just incredibly you know he, he held me you know he was like true brother in arms and he, he said look bro no one's gonna he was the one that was really saying like no one's gonna judge you if you yeah. go home no one's gonna judge you for it yeah bro we back you we're your mates and you know I owe a lot to that man um yeah he's yeah. he's he's held my back through through thick and thin and that was a massive time to have him there 
side by side was was huge. And um, so end of the year, those boys came back up from Dunedin and things, yeah, it was great. And so I had an awesome summer. I basically spent the most time ever in my life for one consecutive summer on the water. Oh, wow. Out there just as many days as I could, just, you know, smashing it. And um, leading into this year, I... This first semester has been great. It's pretty pretty laid back semester compared to some of my others. Yeah, um, managed to do half of it from distance, working as a labourer, yeah. loving my labouring, loving my training, getting out on the water most Saturdays with my mates. You know, big days out on the water, and um, yeah, coming back to now. So I come came back down after the mid year break. Um, Dunedin, it was daunting. The thought of coming back, hence why I didn't come back down to the starter scene. Yeah. I just wasn't ready. Yeah. Was not ready to take that back. I knew I wanted to study, but I and take that back on. I knew I didn't want to come back to Nene just then. So yeah. after that mid-scene break, I had my last couple of missions on the boat out here. And I thought, no, I'm I'm ready now. So yeah. luckily I had a flat, flew down, got to the flat, and um it just felt good to be back. I, I fell straight into routine that I'd built in Dunedin prior to the last year's um, down down uh, spiral, down the spiral. And yeah, I just found myself flying on the rhythm. My mates that were there, you know, it was great to see them getting out and about, you know, interacting, meeting new people, back with Silverline, um, you know, back with the club, my boxing club. Um, and so now I'd, I'd say I've regathered some of what some of their old me but it's a new perspective yeah i i know now like yeah i so i am on medication but i don't it's not like i go oh the reason why i'm like this is medication i'm doing a lot of things that i know are me these are me it's not they're there it's like a supportive system just to keep things you know help me but what i do with myself is all out of my own intuition Totally. I walk from home to class up in Roslyn Hill because I love walking. I yeah. love taking in scenes. Right, right. I you know do the gym, do the library, go boxing, and, and chill, listen to my music. Right, right. Go to the boys' flat, catch up, yeah. have catch up, play. You know, it's funny as it is. I like playing Wordle and all those little games because they're just good for my brain. I just like it. Yeah, totally. little things like that, tidying this, all, all sorts of things. Man. And yeah. um, yeah, going for uh, beach swims, cold water swims. Yeah, a bit of meditation time, things yeah. like that. It's um, yeah, and it is amazing. I guess for me, sitting sitting where I am now, if I had to tell you about my last year, so we were almost a year. Basically, this time last year, I was in the midst of yeah. the lowest I'd ever felt in my life, and um, versus now, and two completely different people. Yeah. but still in some sense it's not like I say that evil's gone it's just we are two completely different people our mindsets our outlooks understandings old me thought you had to have something to your name i.e. with the credentials that you've got a degree you've got a, a, a professional sport whatever to be someone you know and so I threw a lot of who I was out the door now I know exactly who I am you know at the end of the day, if, if everything stripped to it, and I was left with nothing, I you know, couldn't play sport, anything sort of thing, I still know who I am. 
you know, I'm me, I've got my family, I've got my diving, I've got my fishing, you know, even if I couldn't fish, I still got the water, you yeah. can't take that away from me, it's still just down the road, you know, um, so coming to now, I'm doing things, similar, some, some of the things I'm still doing the same, I've picked back up, but I've done, you know, new things on top of that as well, so it's, um, it's been a massive growth and massive learning journey, um, yeah, the, the, the testaments to myself, mindsets, the, the thoughts that I had this time last year to where I'm at now. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, you know, I, I credit that fellow a year ago for just showing persistence, but then also showing that just glimmer of, you know, of vulnerability and then opening up on that and going, yo, just allow yourself to be vulnerable and just accept it and accept that you're going to go on this pathway to, to getting you know, to, to get yourself back, back, um, back on track. And so, yeah, here I am. You know, things have been great. Um, obviously, there's still, you know, it's not everything's perfect. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bumpy road, never a straight line. So, yeah, totally. you know, I'm still, I'm still doing things, making mistakes along the road, and that's why it's great. I've got, you know, my brother, my dad, yeah, and my sister, who are, who are awesome, just role models for me. And yeah. you know they're always by my side there trying to help. So you know when yeah. when I whenever I've got something going wrong or you know, if they see something, they always quick to, to have a yarn to me about it. And so no, it's, it's huge thanks to them, my mates. Um, yeah. yeah. And so here you are. Here you are today. Current, think, current Ethan, twenty twenty two. I think I mean thank you for sharing. I mean that that is that story is a pretty amazing story and it's got a lot of emotion in there. And I think the like you mentioned before, it's, it's you're not you don't regret any of those things that that, that have to happen for you to get to where you are. But also, I think one of the key things is that there were people around you who actually stopped you and said, "Hey, wait a minute, the stuff that's up in your mind is just in your well, in your mind, but we're here for you. It doesn't matter, you know." And I think a lot of a lot of us out there think we're in this life alone, even even though we think oh. we're we think we're alone, but actually, there's people out there that are caring for us, even though we don't know who the, we don't know who they are. There are people out there. And um, you know, for you that was what happened. You know, your 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 dad, as you said, your 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 nieces. You know, just the, the thought of your nieces not having Uncle E, um, your, your your friend Ben. You know, um, just those things. There. So it's important for listeners out there to, to remember that there. You know, we've been we've been chatting for almost an hour and a half, which is which is great, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and your story is amazing, and I'm sure we could keep on talking and talking and talking, um, because that's how much power you have in your conversation, but. We'd like to end the podcast shortly. And um, Easy is, man. Um, the way I like to end the podcast is, you know, our podcast is called Bosses of Knowledge. And you've had you've had an amazing story so far. If you had to tell our listeners out there if there was one piece of knowledge to put in their basket, what would you say to them through your experiences? Vulnerability is not weakness. Vulnerability is the um, ability to show that you are open to growth and you are open to change. You know, um, so I always say vulnerability is not weakness. You know, being vulnerable is in the new day and age as a man is a huge, huge value that, you know, if you can embrace that, learn that, and accept that, you you allow yourself to, to receive help from others um, and you allow yourself, yeah, to open for, for good change. So vulnerability is not weakness. That's, re that's really really powerful hey vulnerability is not weakness which goes back right to the start of our conversation today when we spoke about the facade that we have 
And we have the facade because we're afraid to be vulnerable. And the, yeah. fear, com the fear comes from where? I don't know where the fear comes from, but it's, it's this expectation of society, especially as a male. As a male, yeah. you have this expectation that you shouldn't be vulnerable. And if you're vulnerable, you cry. This is it. No, it's it's that yeah misconception that they are the same thing. Totally, and they are not. You know, and you know, a guy that I know he's highly controversial, but Jordan Peterson. Yeah, he said he's got a very good saying. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener a garden in a war. war. Exactly. Yeah. So totally. that saying is is massive. You know, a yeah. warrior in a garden. What is that? Okay, that's a good man who who still prides himself for the values and traits that he has, but he's also able to sit down and realize right. I can still allow myself to feel, you know, to, to be open, to show that, um, show my, you know, show my true self. There's yeah. no need to hide and put an armor on. You can take the helmet off when I need to. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, no, that's a huge one. That's, you know, um, so trying to, trying to make other, other dudes, you know, resonate with that, or have that resonate with them is massive because I know young males, it's, it's a big confusion. If you're yeah. not, you know, a big, hard, strong dude or a dude that, you know, rips the head off it every Saturday and whatnot, then, you know, you, you're somewhat soft. But that's, that ain't it. You still do those things and show your true colours. It's not saying, like, you have to do this without that. Being vulnerable, you can go about be a man, do what you need to do, but being vulnerable is a part of that. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's part of life, really. It's part of life, as, as we've seen in your story, your short story so far, is life has you have these plans for life, but life has other plans for you, and you cannot dictate those. Whatever you do, nope. all the preparation, yeah, no control. Yeah, no I mean, control. I, I'm just going back to your your story. You 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 trained for two years. You got ready for two years. You go into the field, roll ankle, because you plan for that. Never, never plan for that, right? So, you know, being vulnerable and going away, cool. Hey, yeah, Ethan, this is a this is oh, fantastic, right. fantastic. Um, for our listeners out there, uh, thank you for listening in to this podcast here. As always, we appreciate you listening in. Um, Tiny had to disappear to do some stuff with his whanau, which is very important for him and his whanau. Uh, but as always, just remember to put out there, put a piece of knowledge into your basket and always keep learning. Thanks, everybody, and bye. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.